Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your weekend is off to an early and fantastic start. We are halfway to Margaritaville here at the statewide David Glenn Show, and we hope you will join us on that journey. We have a format that has been voted the most popular in the history of sports radio. We call it Free For All Friday. What does it mean? Four days a week, we have a star-studded guest lineup. There are more of my rants and musings for better or for worse. Fridays, because since we became syndicated long ago, it has been harder to get in by phone. That frustrates you, we don't like that. We want you to be able to participate at your discretion. Fridays, we carve out once a week, only once a week, 20% of our shows, if you will, for us to follow your lead. Now, you know that I have brought to the table a lot on the NFL, including the debacle from Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte last night. Tampa Bay 20, Carolina 14. The Panthers managed only four field goals and a safety. That's where they got their 14 from. They are 0-2. Cam Newton, in his last eight starts for your Panthers, has zero wins and eight losses. Can you ruin a three-month-long regular season in just two weeks? We don't know for sure the answer to that. But we do know this. Since the NFL adopted the divisional format that they still have back in 2002, if you start 0-2 in the regular season, Historically speaking, over almost two decades now, you have roughly an 11% chance of making the playoffs. The new owner, David Tepper, was not happy about missing the postseason in his first full year last year, but at least he knew that his star quarterback, his 20-plus million-dollar man, was hurt and unavailable at the end, and that contributed after that smart start to the demise in the second half. Maybe there was something, some way to explain away a miss in the postseason on David Tepper's watch. Well, 0-2 doesn't automatically mean another playoff miss, but if you saw what I saw, there are alarm bells in more than one place. Cam Newton is saying the right things, by the way, and we have audio for you today from Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey and Dave Clawson and Bob Stoops, our guest, a legend of college football, Mac Brown dropped by recently as well. The Tar Heels visiting the Deacons among the top matchups near and afar in the college football weekend. Cam is saying the right things. I have to be better. I didn't get it done. It's hard to look my defensive teammates in the eye after they play well, but we let them down, and I'm a big part of why we, the offense, left them down. He even said the fans deserve better. So if you believe that, Cam Newton agrees with you. We will let you vent in the spirit of free-for-all Friday. Remember, you can take us anywhere you like. The only rules for your phone calls, they must involve either the sports world or this statewide syndicated radio show or any combination of those two things. It is a pretty wide palette, but it does prevent me occasionally from answering a question that is too far off those beaten trails. We have a lot to get to. The Antonio Brown story has a new wrinkle. Did you know that within the past hour or so, Kevin Keats of NC State got a contract extension as the Wolfpack's basketball coach through 2026. The announcement, I should say, was just in the last handful of minutes. There's other breaking news to get to. Torrey Smith earlier today 
announced his retirement, 30-year-old former Eagles, Panthers, and other wide receiver, a two-time Super Bowl champion. He is stepping away from football entirely. That's less than two weeks, remember, after he was cut by your Carolina Panthers. We have a college football week three that is not as compelling as either week one or week two overall. However, NC State gets its first Power 5 opponent, and it is on the road. The 2-0 Wolfpack at 1-1 West Virginia. Number one Clemson visits Syracuse. If you saw Syracuse play Clemson the last two seasons, you would say the Orange have done a better job than any ACC team of competing head-to-head against the Clemson Tigers. But if you saw Clemson get crushed by Mar- – or Syracuse, rather, get crushed by Maryland last week, you might wonder whether even at the Carrier Dome – Syracuse can continue that trend against the number one in the nation, Clemson Tigers. Florida State goes to top 25 Virginia. I've been at this for more than 30 years. There are not many years where I thought UVA had the better football team than Florida State. Will Willie Taggart's Taggart's nightmare continue in Charlottesville, or is this where the Seminoles finally turn things around in the second year on his watch? Beyond our discussion of what happened last night, and intern Will will be the first voice you hear if you want to be first up on Free For All Friday with your question, comment, complaint, philosophical debate. You can take us almost anywhere you want to go. Panthers, NFL, college football. There's college basketball news even beyond Kevin Keats' contract extension. The World Cup of basketball will be decided, and it will be Spain or Argentina winning it. They will play for the final, believe it or not, Team USA is battling Poland for 7th or 8th place. A demise of USA basketball unlike anything we've seen in the 30 years they've been using NBA players. Major League Baseball is coming down the stretch of the regular season. The NHL is back. Training camps, your Carolina Hurricanes and otherwise. The NASCAR boys are starting their playoff. The golf world actually resumes this week. The 2019-2020 golf calendar begins this weekend. It's a little weird because you might think, oh, the majors are over, the FedEx Cup playoffs are over, that's it. No, they actually get started in their fiscal year, if you will. Now, moving forward on the men's side, the women actually involved in the Solheim Cup, which is the international competition that is essentially the reflection of the Ryder Cup just for women's professional golfers, Team USA, against the others. Boxing offers a heavyweight matchup this weekend involving Tyson Fury. Did you know that horse racing this past week offered a PED scandal? I kid you not. Justify the triple crown horse racing winner from last year tested positive for PEDs and they covered it up. We just found that out this week. That's a story broken in the New York Times by friend of the program, Joe Drape. What a wacky headline that was among many. Antonio Brown alone has fit that description in more ways than we can count at this point. At the NFL level on the field, as we pick over your calls, Tampa over Carolina, we will look forward. Minnesota at Green Bay is a good matchup this weekend, both 1-0 out of the gate. Seattle's at Pittsburgh. Seahawks are good. Steelers started 0-1, remember, in embarrassing fashion against the Patriots. Pittsburgh at home will be trying to turn that tide. Dallas is at Washington. The Chiefs are at the Raiders. They both started 1-0. The Saints are at the Rams. Remember that thrilling, controversial NFC title game from a year ago? Those two go head-to-head in one of the late afternoon games on Sunday. My Eagles visit Atlanta to take on the 0-1 Falcons, even as they are 0-2 
the Panthers will be watching the Buccaneers and the Falcons because the Saints are expected to be good and maybe the trendsetter again in the NFC South. The Panthers, if they're going to somehow dig out of this 0-2 hole, they're going to have to do well against the Falcons twice and against the Buccaneers later in the rematch. That's for later. Can you ruin a three-month-long season in just two weeks? The Panthers apparently tried to do that last night. I will tell you this, even though there's only 11% chance for that 0-2 team to make the playoffs, the last time the Panthers started 0-2, I'm just throwing this out as a historical nugget, the last time the Panthers started 0-2 was 2013. Six years ago, they rallied and finished 12-4 and to make the playoffs. That actually happened. Now, does your crystal ball see anything nearly that optimistic here in 2019? Probably not. Neither does mine. There were a lot of boos at Bank of America Stadium last night. Caroline Can, the Panthers sideline reporter, is going to join us live in hour number two to discuss that part of the NFL weekend that awaits us. More on Antonio Brown, more on the other headlines of the week that was and the weekend to come. And really, we're following your lead on the other side. Chris in Washington, North Carolina, wants to get the phone calls rolling. I say hello to Charles Hadley. He is in for the partying at the beach, Darren Vaught. Charles, you told me that you watched the entire game last night, and yet you still managed to make it to work today. So that's, that's a sign of your resiliency and your effort and your passion. You okay? after? What, I'm assuming you're a Panthers fan. Yeah, I am. It was hard to watch. It was hard to but watch. But I made it here. You got a Western Carolina t-shirt on. Go Catamounts? Yeah. Is that what that is? Alum. Go Catamounts. Class of 2017. Go how'd Cats. You, how'd you handle that trip to the Wolfpack earlier this season? I, I watched a little bit of it. I mean, I was expected to lose. Yeah. I mean, it's not... Yeah, it's it's going to be a hard year for the Catamounts. It might be. I hate to say it. It might be. Elsewhere in our state, 2-0 Carolina is at 2-0 Wake Forest. The Wolfpack is trying to get to 3-0 by visiting the Mountaineers of West Virginia at their place. Number one, Clemson. I will tell you this in college football, FSU, Virginia, Clemson, Syracuse, UNC against Wake Forest, they're actually among the handful of the more interesting games. Seriously. I mean, maybe you like Alabama at South Carolina. Do you really think the Gamecocks who lost to the Tar Heels are going to threaten the number two team in the nation? I'm skeptical as well. I'll say this, 2-0 Florida at 2-0 Kentucky could be interesting. The Gators are nationally ranked. Kentucky beat Florida last year. Maybe it's a revenge game. Maybe Kentucky can beat the Gators back-to-back in football for the first time since I was a little kid. Seriously, it has been that long. Oklahoma is at UCLA. Forget it. The Sooners are really, really good. UCLA is not good at all. Game day, ESPN's College Football Weekly Traveling Circus. Game day is at Iowa, Iowa State. You know you're scraping the bottom of the barrel schedule-wise if you're taking that traveling circus to Iowa versus Iowa State. Fortunately, we have some other things to discuss near and afar. Your questions, your comments, your complaints are all fair game. 1-800-849-2761. Charles Hadley in for Darren. Our big tailgate tour, remember, has an open week. We do go to 12 games like the teams do. We just spread it over 14 weeks like the teams do. So we started in late August. We'll end in early December at the ACC title game. We are coming soon to ECU. That's next Saturday, not tomorrow. 
will be in Greenville. The following Saturday in Boone for our one and only one App State game on this year's Big Tailgate Tour. So we look forward to seeing a lot of familiar faces and meeting some new ones in Greenville and Boone over these next couple of weekends. We will, of course, get back to NC State, get back to Carolina, where we were these first two weeks. 1-800-849-2761. Free for all Friday. Ramps up with more of my thoughts on the Panthers' ugly loss to the Buccaneers, but it's really about your calls. 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance. And I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances, and I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon. You know, it's hard to look defensive guys in their eyes after a game like this, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, offensively, we don't hold up by any bargain. Loss is frustrating, but you, know, you got to wipe it. And I think the most frustrating part is the loss. You know, every loss sucks. Uh, it sucks a little more when you have an opportunity at the end of the game to help your team win and you don't do it. So I'm going to learn from it, grow from it, and I uh, promise I'll come back better. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. We are coming to your calls right now. I did promise quick thoughts on the Panthers. I'll give you two quick ones now, more after we go in the spirit of Free For All Friday through your questions, comments, complaints. It can be on the week that was. It can be on the weekend to come. I gave you my must-see TV football games and even other things from boxing, golf, NASCAR, hockey, baseball, a little bit on a lot of things. College basketball's schedule was announced last night. The ACC's on the the ACC Network. The World Cup of Basketball is coming to a conclusion, and Team USA is way, way, way down the ranks in a place that it has never been while sending NBA players to these big international competitions. Quickly on the Panthers' 20-14 to loss to the Buccaneers in Charlotte. Lots of boos at Bank of America Stadium, and understandably so. Caroline Can from the, si from the broadcast team, she's the sideline reporter. She joins us in about 40 minutes here on the David Glenn Show. We have cleared the slate otherwise for your phone calls, questions, comments, and complaints all over football but also other things have been burning a hole in your sports soul, and some of you are mad at me for something, and that's okay as well. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in. Number one takeaway, 30-year-old Cam Newton is throwing poorly and is not running hardly at all. He is, not just in my opinion, but the numbers back this up objectively. He is one of the greatest running quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, period. There are opinions all over the place on Cam, good and bad. That part's not an opinion. Cam Newton is one of the greatest running quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, period. He used a combination of running and throwing to be the MVP just four years ago. He is six foot five and almost 250 pounds. He was a weapon at Auburn. He's been a weapon for the Carolina Panthers. Cam is throwing poorly. There's no doubt about it. That was not just a leader throwing himself on the sword. We see that in a lot of sports, right? Even when a leader plays well sometimes, he'll say, it's got to be me getting better. In fact, Christian McCaffrey last night threw himself on the sword because he said he should have gotten in on that fourth and short play at the very end, where many of you are asking me, and we're coming to your calls now, why didn't Norv Turner use 
one of the greatest short yardage quarterback weapons in NFL history on what was essentially, remember, fourth and inches. They could have gotten a first down inside the one. They would have had a new clock. They would have been able to burn even more time because there was a minute plus left. So even if you got in, you didn't automatically win the game, right? It might have been 21-20, but the Bucks could have had time if they got in. McCaffrey blamed himself. It's on me. Did you see that play? I mean, it was, instead of going for the jugular, instead of using the 250-pound Superman quarterback, diving over, as we've seen him do countless times, the Panthers' efficiency numbers on third and short, fourth and short goal line are off the charts good for Cam. Now, some of his throwing numbers have been up and down like a roller coaster over his nine-year NFL career, but that part he's done really well. It was called earlier in the game, and Cam couldn't get it done. There are questions whether Cam is as flexible, as mobile, as athletic. After, remember, this part is also not an opinion, taking more hits than any quarterback in the NFL by a lot. They can measure that. And Cam's number is not slightly more than second, third, fourth place quarterbacks. It's way more. Here's a Grand Canyon-sized gap. He gets hit more than anybody else. And the question was, With Norv Turner being hired last year as the offensive coordinator, Norv, by the way, had not had a running quarterback since he had Doug Flutie back when people were riding dinosaurs to and from work every day. Just kidding. It's been a long time since Norv Turner had a running quarterback. So when the Panthers hired Norv, it was with the idea, well, as Cam gets older, he can't run quite as much. That part makes sense. You'd expect a veteran quarterback to be able to see things in defenses that he couldn't see as a young guy, to exploit them, certainly to throw more accurately. And before he got hurt last year, he actually did. He did make strides in those ways. But, folks, for his career, his averages are eight rushes for about 40 yards. So that's five yards per carry. And he's averaged seven to eight rushing touchdowns every year. Those are big numbers. They might not sound big. For for a quarterback, those are gargantuan numbers. Eight rushing attempts a game on average over eight years now. 40 yards per game on average. That's five yards a carry. Seven to eight rushing touchdowns per year. Do you know what he has through two games? Five carries for minus two yards. That is not a shade of gray difference. That is a night and day difference. Cam Newton's never been an elite passer. In fact, the running joke in this state has been UNC's true freshman quarterback, Sam Howell, has made more NFL-caliber throws this season in the Tar Heels 2-0 start than Cam has made in the Panthers 0-2 start. And I actually don't think that that is an exaggeration. If you look at Sam's two throws to beat the Gamecocks in the end zone, he put it where only his guy could get it. It was either going to be a TD or an incompletion. That D-back could not reach it. He put it right on the sideline from a significant distance. How did the Heels beat Miami? He did the same thing in the right quarter of the end zone with Daz Newsom like he did with Bo Corrales against the Gamecocks. Those are big-time, on-the-money throws, sometimes under pressure. Cam's never been great at that, but the combination of running and passing as a dual threat has been, at times, the MVP Cam 2015, when they played in the Super Bowl. At 30, what is he going to be? What he can't be is somebody who throws poorly and someone who's not running at all. 
and someone that they don't want to use on fourth and inches with the game on the line. He can't be that. That cam ain't going to take the Panthers anywhere good, and I think most of us know it. 1-800-849-2761. Let me try Dustin in Durham. I will give you point number two after my, I think most of us are starting with some version of the cam conversation. Dustin, welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Hey, DG. Thank you. Uh, first time call. I've been listening to you for a while. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to comment on the game. Uh, you know, I watched the thing in entirety. Uh, you know, throughout the entire game, we, we continued to lose the game, if that makes sense. I mean, too many times get in the red zone and not punch it in. That's when we really started losing the game. But everyone's focused on the last play, and arguably so, the chance that we could have won. I like the play call. I, I didn't necessarily like pushing it to the outside. Um, but I say give the ball to uh, Christian McCaffrey, arguably a pro bowler, one of the best running backs in the league. And, and we've seen Cam, you know, in the last two games now, not be successful running the ball, not be successful on third and fourth down uh, with the sneak. And, and uh, you know, just watching him, the eye test, he doesn't really pass the test that I think that he would even be capable uh, of really pushing the pile and getting that down. I, I really like the call of Christian McCaffrey, even though it didn't work. Um, I trust the ball in his hands more than I trust in Cam Newton's. Yeah, I'm not going to obsess about the final call either. I know, of course, it was going to be a point of contention. Everybody second guesses the play caller. But note that when I start my one, two, three, four, five most important takeaways for the Panthers, I didn't mention that play call. Cam throwing poorly and hardly running at all is the biggest takeaway. There was one possession where it was a three and out, and he, had, he missed his target on all three throws. And on the play, I think Dustin is referencing, it was early in the game, it was fourth and short, and the Panthers did what the metrics say the Panthers have been great at, right? Put it in Cam Newton's hands. So they faked to McCaffrey left on that fourth and less than a yard inside Tampa Bay territory, but it wasn't deep down there. You, if you didn't make it, you were going to give the Bucks good field position. They fake to McCaffrey going to the left. Cam runs to the right. And you know what it was? It's Cam Newton against a guy. In this case, it was the Buccaneers safety, Jordan Whitehead. Do you know what Cam's nine-year career has mostly been? If it is one-on-one and it's Cam the mega Superman athlete, if Cam's bigger than the dude, he plows him. And if Cam's being chased by a defensive tackle or even most defensive ends, Cam goes around them. Like, that is the magic of Cam Newton. If it's a little DB, he's going to run over him. And if it's a big dude, he's quick enough to run around him. That's why he gets all those fourth and short, third and short goal line conversions, right? Well, to his credit, Jordan Whitehead got low on Cam and basically swiped his ankle. It wasn't a safety dominating Cam physically at 250 pounds. It was a smaller guy swiping his ankle and getting him off balance and getting him to the ground. And he came up, you know, less than a yard short. So the play that Panthers fans many called for at the end was tried earlier in the game and it didn't work. So that at least that has to be pointed out. I appreciate the call, Dustin. I want to get some other people in here. My number two takeaway, by the way, also reflects, I think, part of Dustin's theme. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers... Once you get past the cam conversation, which should be front and center, but the next most important takeaway in my eyes was that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the more physical team in the trenches. When the Rams beat the Panthers last week, 
it wasn't as much of an alarm because the Rams are the defending NFC champion. They have the Wonder Boy coach in Sean McVay. They have a wicked two-headed monster at running back. They have Jared Goff at quarterback, and you know all the rest. Aaron Donald, best defensive player in the NFL. So you lost by a field goal, you're 0-1, but you almost could have seen that coming. The combination of Todd Gurley, Malcolm Brown, and that Rams offensive line at times pushed the Panthers around. Malcolm Brown was a beast as the Rams' number two running back. Last night, Tampa Bay was the more physical team in the trenches, especially the Bucks' defense against the Panthers' offense. That's an alarm bell when it happens two weeks in a row. The Buccaneers' defense has Indomitian Sue and the big fella Vita Villa at defensive tackle and Levante David at linebacker. They even lost one of their starting linebackers, and the backup got a game ball because he played so well. When the Bucs tried to run Peyton Barber, it wasn't pretty. I mean, the guy only got 82 yards on 23 carries. That's not great running the ball, but it's efficient enough in a low-scoring 20-14 to 14 game. They controlled the clock, they controlled the ball, and Peyton Barber ended up with a touchdown to go with those 82 yards. Meanwhile, the Panthers' offensive line didn't get any push at all. Christian McCaffrey ran for peanuts. So your number one running back couldn't move the ball on the ground and didn't even have that many catches either. And their number one running back, Peyton Barber, got enough. That matters. And Dustin brought up red zone problems. Do you know what the two biggest, most important ways to convert in the red zone at virtually every level of football are, but especially as you get to college in the NFL? You either need the scalpel-like precision thrower. Tom Brady can put it exactly where he wants to put it, in the corner of the end zone. Either his guy's going to get it or it's going to be an incompletion, right? You need either scalpel-like precision as a thrower, which Cam's not been great at for most of his nine years with the Panthers, or you need a dominant rushing threat. It can be a 250-pound quarterback. It could be like a Malcolm Brown-style running back. It can be a dominant offensive line. But if you have trouble in the red zone, I promise you both of those are issues. You don't have the pass play where you can kind of thread the needle and execute it consistently, and you don't have the go-to runner. And if Cam's not going to be that bowling ball runner, McCaffrey, you saw last night, when he took that fourth and two play to the left side, most defensive coaches I know would have taught the guy who made the play, Vernon Hargraves, cornerback for the Buccaneers. Most defensive coordinators teach when the Panthers wide receiver went in motion, I'm telling you, four out of five defensive coordinators want their corner to follow that wide receiver. And, of course, that's Norv Turner's design. Oh, if I can get that corner on the left side to follow Curtis Samuel over to the other side in motion and then snap it to – they direct snapped it to Christian McCaffrey. Well, then Christian McCaffrey will beat the linebacker to the pylon, period. Game over. Panthers at least get ahead, I should say, 21-20, right? Vernon Hargraves didn't move. That just doesn't happen all that often. So instead of McCaffrey darting left – and thinking he's got to beat a guy who's 250 pounds to the pylon, which he probably would have done. He's got those two big dudes chasing him, and he's got Vernon Hargraves standing right there. That was essentially one versus three. And as much as McCaffrey blamed himself after the game, there is no running back that wins the one versus three battle. Credit Hargraves for the tackle. Credit to Buccaneers for doing enough right to get the win. 
but the Buccaneers were the more physical team in the trenches on both sides of the ball, but especially the Bucks' defense against the Panthers' offense. I mean, Daryl Williams was a human turnstile against Shaq Barrett, the outside linebacker, the edge rusher for the Buccaneers. What was it? Back-to-back sacks and three overall. Cam was the biggest problem, but Cam being harassed – including by Barrett, but also at other times, was at least a part of that problem. 1-800-849-2761. Steve, Mike, Chris, Brian, and others want in with questions, comments, or complaints. We will look forward at the best of the college football and NFL weekends that await us. We'll come back to your calls next. 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four (laughs) ties, not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. Caroline Can. From the Carolina Panthers broadcast team, sideline reporter last night as the boos rained down at Bank of America Stadium. Tampa Bay 20, Carolina 14 in Charlotte was the final. Cam Newton threw poorly, and he isn't running hardly at all. That's the number one takeaway. The Bucks were better in the trenches and more physical on both sides. That's the number two takeaway. The Panthers' defense played pretty well overall, but... A couple of their cornerbacks got beat on big plays. Dante Jackson, the young corner, got beat on the first touchdown by the Buccaneers. Chris Godwin had a huge day with eight catches, 121 yards, and that one touchdown. Eight catches on nine targets, many of them against Dante Jackson. He's one of your two starting cornerbacks. James Bradbury, in my opinion, has been brilliant through two weeks. One of the Panthers' best players against the Rams on defense. And if you hold Mike Evans, one of the best wide receivers in this league, if you hold Mike Evans to four catches on eight targets and not a lot of yards, you did your job. Dante Jackson did not have as good a game, and the Panthers have had trouble with their nickel corner, which in the modern NFL, that guy is on the field a lot as you put five DBs or sometimes more out there. JV and Elliott has been kind of plugged into that. And, man, when the Buccaneers needed a third-down conversion – maybe a longer conversion. They knew Jameis Winston was going to drop back in a passing mode. They looked for the cor- the nickel corner time after time after time, and I think there were three different conversions where JV and Elliott was the target of that. The Panthers need to get better at corner. The Panthers obviously need a much better version of Cam Newton. You can be next with your question your comment. You can take us elsewhere. Breaking news from the NFL. The NFL, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, will not place – Antonio Brown on the commissioner's exempt list at this point. Now, that still means the Patriots have their own discretion, right? Bill Belichick can say he doesn't know the offense well enough or we're going to be in wait-and-see mode. As the NFL is going to do its own investigation, the woman involved, Brittany Taylor, Brown's former trainer who filed that lawsuit earlier this week in Florida, she's not available to be interviewed by the NFL until next week. So did the Patriots play him? against the Dolphins in what is expected to be the laughingstock game of the NFL weekend, arguably the best team against arguably the worst team. Do they play him to get him rolling just in case he's not suspended? Remember, this is not a criminal justice case. 
There's no police evidence. This is really a civil lawsuit where Antonio Brown, you might not like him, and I have no admiration for him. He has lived, seriously, the more you peel the onion. Antonio Brown, not an exaggeration, has lived an erratic, irresponsible, narcissistic, bullying, reckless lifestyle. He did it with his academics as a young guy. He did it with disciplinary matters in high school and college and with the Steelers and with the Raiders. He's not an easy guy to cheer for. He's not a role model or anything close to that. He's a guy who has lots of women asking for child support money at any given time, five kids with three different women. He does not exactly take care of his business in a professional, responsible way on and off the field. But he is a brilliant wide receiver, and there's no arguing that. The Patriots have a decision to make, and it will be next week that the NFL has a decision to make. I told you earlier this week, Roger Goodell does not want to set a precedent where simply an allegation, I claim that that man sexually assaulted me. In her case, she says three times over a two-year period, including a forcible rape. That's what her claim is toward Antonio Brown. If Roger Goodell took Antonio Brown out of eligibility based just on that before the NFL even got to talk to her talk to AB see what other evidence there is he would be setting the bar in such a low place that anybody could say anything and get somebody suspended and he doesn't want to set the bar in that place now as you start collecting more evidence and there's some in the lawsuit but even the evidence in the lawsuit doesn't really tell us is AB right when he says yeah they had a relationship but it was consensual. She says, yeah, they had a relationship, but the, that part of it was not consensual. The, the evidence in the lawsuit makes Antonio Brown look like a really despicable person, but being a despicable person does not make you eligible for the exempt list in the NFL. Being a sexual assaulter does, but again, the evidence is not there yet. 1-800-849-2761. Let's go to Chris in Washington, North Carolina. You're next on the David Glenn Show. Hey, DG, how you doing today? I'm doing great, man. What's on your mind? Well, I got I got two things real quick. One, I think the Panthers did exactly what the Buccaneers' defense wanted them to do, and that was get away from throwing to Christian out of the back. I think you're right. I, I honestly do. They wanted them to do that, and that's exactly what they've done. But this is my, my biggest complaint right here. You have two players on the same team. You have Luke Keekley, who is by far the best in the business at what he does. Awesome. 100%. There's no other better linebacker in the league. You don't see him on TV acting like a fool. He, he, he does his job, and he goes home. You don't hear from him out in the media complaining, I'm hurt, nothing. On the other hand, you have Cam Newton. He shows up the games dressed like a buffoon. He's always, and I understand he's the quarterback, and he's, you know, he's got certain obligations to talk to the media. But he he puts himself out there, and in my opinion, he's more worried about his appearance and what everybody thinks than he cares about playing on the football field. See, I don't. I would ask you why you care how he dresses or what his hair looks like or anything else along those lines. I personally don't. And when it comes to his words, he did say last night, if you listened all the way through his press conference, he might have said some things that jolted you in a way you didn't like. 
But he did say, it doesn't matter how my shoulder really is or how my foot really is. I have to be better. I mean, he talked to the fans. You deserve better fans. He talked to his defensive teammates. I let you down. We let you down, but I let you down. So I don't know if you're giving him enough credit, in my opinion, for saying the things that a leader should say. He's not blaming his offensive line. He's not blaming Norv Turner. In fact, every time a question implies or gave him a chance to blame a coach or a teammate, he went in the opposite direction and said, I have to be better. I didn't get it done. So to me, that's good leadership. He hasn't always been a good leader. And when he sulks and puts a towel over his head or whatever, that's not good leadership. But I got to give him credit for that. To me, last night, that was good leadership. Uh, And the appearance stuff just doesn't bother me. I mean, I I look at it this way. Nobody gets to make the rules as to what is the right appearance. It's kind of a cultural thing. Like, especially, I have uncles and my, my grandfathers aren't around anymore, but there's a certain generation where they just assume, well, because Johnny Unitas wore his hair high and tight, that's the right way. There's a lot of veiled racism in that kind of stuff. Why do you get to make the rules? Why, why aren't cornrows? Why, why isn't that the way that everybody else should have to react to? Well, the bottom line is nobody gets to set those rules. And we live in a world where sometimes people take shots at people's appearances when really something else is motivating them to do that. If, if you don't like wearing, I don't wear fashionable hats, but that doesn't make me right. Cam loves wearing fashionable hats. That doesn't make him wrong, right? Wear your hair short. Wear your hair long. There's no, to me, there's no right or wrong there. Oh, those guys who wear those baggy pants. There's often some veiled racism with that kind of stuff, right? Oh, what's with the kerchiefs? You know, we didn't wear those back in the day. A lot of this stuff, seriously, comes from a place where, to be blunt, you know, the white people get to make the rules, And if you really want to become a better person, you have to wipe that to the side. You have to say, I don't get to make the rules about hats. I don't get to make the rules about hairstyles. I don't get to make the rules about who just goes coat and tie every day and is all buttoned down and who might wear something that in in that person's world or culture or friend circle is the bomb. It's the best. It's A+. And yet in your circle, your world, It's embarrassing, it's ridiculous or whatever. I hesitate to go down those roads for those reasons, and I truly ask people who are good. There's a lot of bad people I gave gave up on a long time ago, and they're just not willing to ask themselves these questions. If you're a really good person, ask yourself those questions because some of those comments are racially charged comments, I believe, in ways that those who utter them don't even realize that they're racially charged. And we just need need to find a better place along those lines and especially in my experience you know those who are in power those who are in the majority they tend to neglect such things while speaking about the minority not just in our country and culture but that's a a pretty good rule of thumb for the history of history of the world and 
I think good people try to do better than that. 1-800-849-2761. Right back to Free For All Friday. Phone calls, questions, comments, complaints, and otherwise. More of the best of the weekend to come in the NFL and college football. Carolina and Wake Forest get week three rolling at the college level. That's just a few hours away. Six o'clock kick on ESPN national TV window for the 2-0 Tar Heels at the 2-0 Demon Deacons. Reasons that game is as worth watching as almost any other in college football this weekend, along with your calls next on the David Glenn Show. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. It is free for all Friday. That means phone calls are the first priority. We do have our one and only guest, Caroline Can from the Panthers broadcast crew, joining in about five minutes. Mike is in Clayton. Matt is in Greensboro. Steve is in Apex. Norman's in Durham. Alvin's in Burlington. Let me try Matt in Greensboro. You are next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Good afternoon, D.D. Hey, man. Uh, happy Friday. Is a Panthers fan. <laughs> not happy. Yeah, right. Fridays, but, H- happy uh, free for all Friday, but not in Panthers country. Uh, that was such a frustrating game. Um, and I'm questioning whether the team has been completely honest with, you know, the health status of Cam. I mean, they were saying he has no restrictions, whatever. It's either they're not being honest and he's still hurt, or they are truly trying to make him into a pocket quarterback and it's a <laughs> struggling work in progress. And I've actually, you know, somewhat been in favor of them attempting to do that. Oh, there's there's no there's doubt. No- I mean, you've been a longtime listener to this show, if I remember correctly. We talked about it with the hiring of Norv Turner. It was not a light switch change. Hey, we're going to take the dual threat and make him a pocket passer. It's more of a shades of gray change. But Norv Turner's entire background is with pocket passers, and that's why some wondered if this would be a good marriage. And the early returns last year before Cam's injury were actually better than I would have guessed. So Cam is capable of it. Remember, his throwing percentages went way up last year before the injury. Um, I, I don't think it's unfair to ask about Cam's physical status uh, I think there's an aging factor here. Like, I believe him. If he says his shoulder is okay, I believe him. He threw the ball downfield a few times last night. I believe him if he says his foot is good enough to play. He was certainly wandering around gingerly at times on those feet, and that can also mess with your throwing mechanics, obviously, if anything in your lower body is bothering you. But if he's whatever, not 100%, but good enough to go, as he's in his 30s, he's going to have to turn that corner. And if he can't turn that corner, well, then it's going to have to be go back to the dual threat guy. And if that means you don't last as long as an NFL quarterback, well, then that's the way it's going to have to be. It's not an easy or fun choice for the Panthers to make. But Cam has never shown us that he can be the elite QB just as a pocket passer. Norv tried it. It got better. Maybe it could still get better. But these first two games have been a huge step backward. More of your questions, comments, and complaints. Caroline Can from the Panthers radio crew next. If 
my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it? You're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.